Midas Pharo looking for two. Doncaster straight. Can he do it again? Light up the world is getting up near the fence. But Pharo, Pharo dashed to the lead from Abbey Glen and light up the world, followed by Aragen and Brave Warrior. But Gavin Eads goes for home on Pharo. Look at Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary out of the back. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Australian trainers are giving Pride's Racing Cube the thumbs up. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube is a set recipe formulation in which the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Mornington trainer Jason Warren introduced his horses to Racing Cube early this year and is delighted with the results. We've had a great deal of success since making that change. So really pleased with Pride's and not only the racing cubes, they've got a number of other feeds that work well for us. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at a very economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed stable. Trainers are giving it the tick of approval all around the nation. Most racing devotees can identify the very moment they became besotted with thoroughbreds. Syndicator Steve Vardy was just six years old when a family friend took him to a track work session at Warwick Farm one foggy morning in 1978. He was mesmerised by the beehive of activity as dozens of horses were put through their paces by an army of jockeys, trainers and stable hands. He's never forgotten the captivating sound of drumming hooves as horses galloping on the training grass emerged through a shroud of fog. Memories of that morning at Warwick Farm remained near and dear through his early adult years and something told him he'd have a professional involvement in racing somewhere down the track. It was his chief interest and his most ardent passion through 25 years in the plumbing trade and a decade in the car detailing business. Steve was 48 years old when he attained a syndicator's licence through a company called Stable Connect, who make it possible for him to trade under the auspices of their Australian Financial Services licence. He knew there were many syndication companies operating all over Australia. He knew the going would be tough. He knew the hours would be long. He knew it would take time to get up and running in a very tough market. How fitting it was that Warwick Farm should be the venue for Vardy Thoroughbred's first visit to the winner's circle in November of last year. Crafty Eagle, a $70,000 purchase for Steve at the 2021 English Ready to Race sale, won his maiden for trainer John Thompson and jockey Rhys Jones. Several more wins have come along since then, and the Vardy thoroughbred colours are rapidly becoming familiar 
to Sky Racing viewers. Steve Vardy's enthusiasm, his passion for the industry and his commitment to living the dream make for a very good story. He joins me on the podcast. Great to chat, Steve. Thanks for joining us. G'day, John. Lovely to be here, mate. Thank you very much for that intro. That's lovely. It's a pleasure and it's all true. (laughs) Now, this is the perfect way for me to establish contact with a good plumber whose fees are reasonable (laughs) and who's prepared to come out at any time. Oh, geez, mate, you might have rung the wrong fella. You might have been mistaken for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are over. <laughs> the tools are uh, resting in a, in uh, with a can of WD-40 for them, just in case one of the uh, long-lost relatives comes out and needs a cashy done, mate. Yeah, so you've still got the tools. That's good to know. Of, of, of course, mate. Never, never give them away. Never give them away. That magical morning at Warwick Farm track work had a massive impact on you at six yeah. years of age. But you also spent many hours with your grandfather listening to the races on the wireless, as he called it. That's the one, yep. Yeah, good old days, uh, John. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, obviously, growing up. I was, uh, he was a lot more, more of a grandfather. He was like a father figure to me. And um, mm. just, just the Saturday mornings, you know, of uh, him reading the form guide and, and uh, and me then sort of glancing over his shoulder and, and studying it and having a quick look and then listening to his tips because he always had his four two dollar fifty bets each way uh, on a Saturday and um, yeah it was just just memories like that um, which endeared me to the game because it meant so much to him and he meant so much to me and it just sort of flowed on from there. Through those twenty five years as a plumber and a decade as a car detailer. Racing was your hobby and your relaxation. Did you go to the track much? Yeah, I used to go a fair bit, John. Um, it was more sort of, you know, with, with your mates, you'd get a, a band of mates together and you'd, you'd head off and uh, get the train in, of course, because there was always a couple of couple of uh, brown cordials that were shared during the day at the uh, at the <laughs> races. And and uh, whoever whoever won the most on the day had to shout, take away Chinese on the way home. So um, Good it was a fair... <laughs> Yeah, it was a fairly often thing, and um, I think if you you ended up losing more on the punt than shouting Chinese. So if you had a bad day on the bet, it wasn't a bad uh, bad result, really. Your first venture into horse ownership wasn't all that long ago. You spotted a Facebook advertisement one day indicating that a 5% share was still available in a charge-forward gelding to be trained by Tony Newing at Gosford. You got mm-hmm. a couple of mates to join you. You bought that little share, and that horse raced as King Lear. Gee, you had some fun with him, didn't we? What? Uh, I think I got spoilt the first time I decided to put my toe in the water. And um, gee, I'm just sitting in the uh, living room now, talking to you, John, looking at all of his photos on the wall. And mm. yeah, what a what a terrific. Um, Terrific training effort from Tony to get the horse, you know, where he was and where he got to. He he didn't have the greatest uh, knees and things, but Tony nursed him mm-hmm. along and just, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, we got involved with having a $10 a week putters club um, with two mates, you know. We'd meet once a once a month down the pub and have a few bets and we'd pool together our winnings and, and we had 1500 in the kitty and I think he cost us about 1450 for our 5% and yeah. uh, the greatest 1450 we've ever spent. And it sort of just goes to show, you know, you can, you can get into the game with something as small as a little, little bit of fun with your mates like that. 
Well, King Lear only had 17 starts. He won seven, a yep. couple of placings. One of his wins was at Eagle Farm. Steve, yeah. it's hard to win seven anywhere, anytime. Yeah, you're not wrong. Not wrong. And that was, uh, you know, I think he was at his best when he was at Grafton, which he, which he did some dominating performances. But that win at Eagle Farm, I think it was over the 1,300, and he, mm. he needed every metre of that uh, that long straight to, to get there. But, uh, by gee, uh, he was gutsy. He was gutsy. And I listened to that podcast with Matty McGurran, and, mm. and um, yeah, he was just full of admiration for the horse. Yeah, King Lear met a sad end. He mm. underwent surgery for a breathing infirmity. And as he was coming out of the anaesthetic, he had a panic attack and mm. it resulted in his sustaining a fracture in the hind leg. Yeah. Yeah, very, very upsetting. Very upsetting to see that uh, happen to any any horse or any animal and uh, just, just in particular to him as well. He was just, just a kind-hearted horse, but as um, mm. soon as the blinkers and the saddle went on, he, he knew it was game day and all he wanted to do was uh, was beat the opposition. So mm. there's not a lot of horses around like that, mate, that uh, they just want to get out there and have a full-on crack. But, uh, mm. yeah, very, very sad demise for such a beautiful animal. Yes, and the injury was severe enough. Uh, mm that he had to be euthanised in the veterinary surgery. It was very, very sad and a a big blow to all of his owners at the time because he was going places, King Lear. Yeah, certainly was, mate. I think he was bound for for bigger and better things. I know the Ramorny was was high on the list and I think he would have... uh, I think he would have eaten that twelve hundred up at uh, Grafton, you no. know, even half fit. He would have uh, would have been hard to beat. But um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, his calling was well before his time. Your admiration for the horse led you to the purchase of his half brother. Now you'd heard on the grapevine that his dam Bambalier was at Paringa Stud at Gresford, with a cult folded foot by the Japanese shuttler Mickey Isle. He was about mm. to be weaned when you made inquiries. You go to look at him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had uh, I had a sort of an agent have a have a look at him, a, a guy that I've sort of just got to know uh, via, via phone calls, and uh, he said, "Mate, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a blank canvas. Go for it. Yeah, buy with confidence." So I uh, I put together a posse of family and friends, and we we raised the fifteen thousand dollars that um, that the breeder wanted, and and the, uh, the the journey was in place. Away we went. Who came up with that uh, curious name, Taking the Mickey? <laughs> one, one of the guys that bought 10% with a, with a few of his mates, uh, he said, oh, geez, he said, I hope he doesn't take the mickey out of us. And, uh, <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> it was, yeah. That was how it was born. And obviously, you know, you put the uh, – everyone put their two bobs worth in with their name suggestions and that came back to be a very, very popular choice. So uh, hence mm. taking the mickey was born. Yep. He's won only one so far and that was a Port Macquarie maiden recently, but he mm-hmm. did win it emphatically with Brooke Stower in the saddle. Great girl, very good rider. Yeah, yeah, beautiful girl, uh, Brooke is, and um, she, she just rode him, rode him a treat that day. I mean, it's always easy after the after the ball to say how well they they ride them, but geez, she if you have to give ten out of ten, you'd, you'd certainly be uh, handing that uh, that award out to her. She was just just did everything on him, and she's she's built up a lovely association with the horse, and and knows when to ask him to do something and when to come back because he's a he's a little bit quirky. 
Mm. He's got his uh, idiosyncrasies, but um, we uh, we we don't like the the thought of anyone else jumping on his back, which is a credit to Brooke. Mm. Christian Buchanan trains taking the Mickey and several other Vardy Thoroughbreds horses. She's one of your four regular trainers. Christian yeah. doesn't have a big team, but she maintains a terrific strike rate. Oh, mate, and as you know, she is just. The, the on the on the pedestal I put her on a pedestal she's such a professional hard-working lady with just such a great personal interaction with uh, with the horses and it's her, her team behind her are, are fantastic as well and you, you, the leader is only as good as the pack behind them but um, mm-hmm. I can't speak highly enough of of Kristen I put her in the highest regard of, of people I've met all through my life yep and I endorse your sentiments comprehensively. Taking the Mickey's back in work, you tell me, after a good long spell. Yeah, well, he's just at the end of his spell now, John. He, he'll be mm-hmm. back in about a week. So um, be, be back in the stable of Kristen's and uh, let's hope the big fella can uh, can double his tally at least this, this prep. Kristen mm. Buchanan got you another winner recently and it was a nice surprise with Al Gigi Rock at Port Macquarie. Won by a big margin. I think she surprised you a little. <laughs> Look, we were confident confident going into the race with her fitness and everything, but um, yeah, when when I alluded to Mickey being a bit quirky, well, well, this girl just leaves him for dead. He's uh, she's um, she's had her ups and downs and quirkiness, but. Uh, mm. Look, it was a compliment to Ash Morgan too because Ash had ridden the filly in both trials and um, he, once again, he had built up that association with her and knew when to push and knew when to come back and ask her for an effort. And, oh, she just she just blew us away that day. She was just the utter little professional um, and sat off the leaders back from, you know, I think she jumped from barrier 14 or 13, uh, sat on leaders back and just coming around the turn, she just went whoosh and, and gave the leader a cold as she went past and one by three going away. So mm. uh, a pleasant surprise to say the least, John. Finally, the time came for your first serious crack at selecting and syndicating a yearling within your preferred price range. You mm-hmm. went to the English Classic Sale in 2021. You bid on a couple of horses early in the day, but you got blown out of the water. That must have dimmed your confidence. It did. It was a little deflating, but uh, a fantastic experience, you know, going to my first ever yearling sale. Um, you know, you're seeing the who's who and the, the top of the top of the tree with the, the racing fraternity and, um, I teamed up with Mark Quinn that uh, that particular sale. We we did a handshake agreement beforehand and said let's get together and, and find something and and we had a 50k budget uh, and we found out pretty soon that that 50k wasn't going to last long for the types we were looking at. But <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's a compliment to yourself knowing that you're, you're looking and, and trying to pick out good horses and you know mm. the price range is the price range. It's it's nothing you can do, but. Uh, persistence paid off, and I, I spotted this little little chestnut filly down at Middlebrook Valley Lodge, down at uh, Verna's Farm, and yeah. and uh, or her box actually, boxes actually. And um, yeah. I thought, geez, I, geez, I like this filly. And I looked at the page, and I thought, oh well, she's by Star Turn, and you know, he was a new sire, and I admired him as a as a horse. So I got her out of the out of the stable and had a look and put her back. And I remember a gust of wind came up and it blew an umbrella over, not that far from her, and. And she just stood there 
And I thought, mm, wow, that's a good sign. Okay, that's this is a good sign. So mm. I uh, I went and found Mark, and I said, go and have a look at this filly, mate, and um, tell me your thoughts. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. But uh, we've all got to agree. And yeah. and Reggie Blundell was down there as well. So I said, asked Reggie to go and have a look, and um, mm. they all come back and said, there's nothing wrong with her. She's great. Yeah. So said to Mark, right, oh, this is our one, and um, we. We went went into a bit of bidding war with someone else, and and we got to fifty, and we looked at each other, and um, <laughs> and I just said to Mark, "Oh bugger this, mate! I'm not going to let her go for five grand. Let's put five another five on her, and if she goes to sixty, well, someone else can have her, and yeah. the rest is history." John, we uh, we jagged her for fifty five, and. Took her home to Port Macquarie. You blew them out of the water with that last five thousand dollar bid. Well, you'd kick yourself if you knew knew <laughs> what she is now yeah. to think that we could have had her for five thousand um, dollars. And that's to, you know to me that's still a fair amount of money. But when uh, when you're talking about buying a horse that you want to syndicate and you divide that by approximately twenty, it's it's yeah. not a lot extra to put your hand up for. Now you said something to me on the phone the other day that. I found intriguing. You were watching her there and there were other people coming up requesting that she be brought out of the box so they could inspect her. She was mm. in and out of the box many, many times, but yep. you noticed there was no sign of agitation whatsoever. She remained very calm through the whole ordeal. That That's a wonderful sign. Yeah, and as I was saying to the other day, John, I like to get them out you know, three or four times during the day at different times to see how their temperament is. But I'll also just hang around and watch other people get, get her out and um, or get, get a horse out that I particularly like. And, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you how many times she, she uh, got in and out of that box, but mm. yeah, every single time she just stood there like a like a 14-year-old mare that had done it, you know, 100 times. And it was just... Just yeah. phenomenal, and, and type and temperament is a big thing that we look at when we when we purchase a horse, whether it be a colt, filly, or gelding. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got to have it, you know. They've got to have that lovely temperament, and um, and that just makes it easier, obviously, for every step of their career, wherever they're at, whether they're getting broken in or pre-training yeah. or training. Mm-hmm. If they've got great temperament, as you know, uh, it's nine tenths of getting them to where you want to get them to. Now, who came up with the name "A Girl's Best Friend"? Yeah. It's lengthy. But it rolls off the tongue. Yeah, well, the, the when we got her up to the stable, up to Mark's stable, the, the girls up there just fell in love with her and they just said, oh, she's like a diamond. So her nickname or a stable name became Diamond. I mean, so many people that aren't even involved in the horse know her as Diamond. Yeah. And what's a girl's best friend? So well, once <clears> again, an owner came up with that suggestion. It was put <clears> to the vote and... Uh, unanimous decision of a girl's best friend and then the story was born. Yeah, diamonds are a girl's best friend. I'm reminded of the wonderful (laughs) rendition of that song by Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe. Yes, In a movie called Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And she is a bit of a blonde too. She's got the lovely blonde mane, this this filly, and, yeah, she, uh, she is like a diamond. She's a little gem. The first three runs were okay without being spectacular with a second, a fourth and a fifth. Then -hmm. she had a good spell. She came back in a 1,400-metre maiden at Coffs Harbour just after Christmas. I happened to see this race. She was stone last on the turn and she produced a Burnborough finish. It, (laughs) it, It was one of the best maiden wins of the year, no doubt. Yeah, well, uh, 
round in the 400, or when she, there was about 400 to go, John, we, we certainly didn't anticipate what was going to happen next because I was scratching my head with Mark thinking, mate, what are we going to tell the owners of this? We were quite confident of coming to the end of this race. Uh, and then she just, you know, Luke Rolls, he just, uh, just, you know, he didn't panic, Luke. You know, she, uh, mm. he just sort of took his time on her and, and rounding that turn, she just, uh, yeah, 200 to go. I, I, I haven't seen one hit the line like that, no matter where it is, whether it's Coffs Harbour or Randwick or Flemington. Um, mm. She just rattled off the section. I, I still don't know to this day what she ran the last 200 in, but mm-hmm. if it wasn't just under sub-11, I... I haven't seen, you know, I'm a bit of a fool if I don't think that because, oh, jeez. It was a brilliant some... brilliant maiden win and she beat one of oh. Noel Mayfield Smith's called Osbred Yahoo. I think Noel fancied his horse too. You... <laughs> <laughs> well, the race was actually 1,406 metres long and if it was 1,405 and a half, Noel would have got the cash. So yeah, exactly. Apologies, Noel, but uh, we just needed that extra half a yard, mate. <laughs> Well, she carried that form into a 1,400-metre Class 1 at Musselbrook about 18 days later. Jenny Duggan was in the saddle. She came from midfield to win very easily. I think the margin was about 2.3 lengths. And by then, you would have been thinking, tab highway, here we come. Yeah, for sure. And that was always Mark's plan. You know, he, he, he always said to us that she's good enough to win a highway. Um, and when Jenny jumped off of that day, I wasn't I wasn't there that day. I, I was up at the Magic Millions, um, and I just I just actually bought a horse about three minutes before she ran. So I'm sort of uh, trying to get that deal done as quickly as I could. But um, yeah, Jenny Jenny just was texting me later that night, and she just she just was un, just unbelievable in her opinion of her and how well she went and what what a turn of foot she had and. Um, you know, she she obviously keeps getting in contact with Mark, asking when she can have another ride. But uh, mm-hmm. Luke's, you know, Luke's got the commitment. He he couldn't ride her that day, but we've committed to Luke. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, just just tab highway all over. And she she had a run there in the highway and went extremely well. It was a good uh, run. I had a look at the replay the other day. It was a class three, fifteen hundred meters. She got a fair way back, as she always does. It seems to be the way to ride her. She mm. was doing her best work late to run fourth, only a length from the winner, and I thought right on the line, Steve, she was going as well as any of them. Yeah, terrific effort, especially um, in, you know, that was race one of the day, and all through the day they were uh, they were sort of on speed. So it gives more eff- merit to the effort when considering, I think she must have been, oh, I don't know, about 12 lengths off them mm. going around the back there at Rose Hill and, yeah, that just shows you a bit of toughness and a bit of ticker that the uh, that the little filly's got. Yeah. You were then faced with the dilemma of going to the paddock or keeping her up for the country championship qualifier at Tuncurry Foster. Now, Mark told you, look, there is not a sign or an indication that she's training off. So mm. she tricked you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, she uh, she was. Mark actually rode her a couple of times during the in between runs, um, doing his track work, and he said, you know, she was bucking me off the off the track when I was coming off. So, um, you know, she was feeling good, uh, and as Mark said to us, you know, like 
you only get might only get one chance with this filly uh, yeah. to to have a run in the in the highway because next year he said I think she won't qualify because she'll have too many wins next to her name, mm. um, and yeah, once again he put it out to the owners and and we all said mate go for it, um, yeah. you know like you might only have the one chance so let's let's give her an honest crack and mm. uh, unfortunately on that day in hindsight she 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 just raced was, flat didn't she just she raced was, flat. Very flat, mate, and which mm. was unlike her. So that was, you know, sometimes you, you don't know these things mm. until you actually line them up in the race. But Well, um, you've learned the lesson, you know, next yeah. time uh, on the fresh side, she's back in yes. work and you've got every reason to believe she'll have a good prep. No doubt at all. She had a she had a six hundred metre jump out this morning that Mark sent vision through, and mm. yeah, she's she's as good as ever. She's um, Luke Luke Rolls is just over the moon with her. Mm. Um, very happy. So, yeah, the aim is this prep to uh, to. I think there's a highway in June uh, at Randwick mm. over fourteen hundred, which uh, which Mark's penciled in as as the first up assault. So uh, yeah, put that in your in your diaries. Now let's go back to Crafty Eagle, a son of the wonderful Starcraft. You sneaked up to $70,000 to buy him at the ready-to-race sale. He moved like a nice horse, did he, on the day? Yeah, I, I could just see him. John, I, he just had that beautiful – he just had scope about him. Um, he was the most impressive type I saw at that sale, and uh, he just he just grabbed me. There was something about him. Um, and I thought, gee, I, I've got to, I've got to have a crack at this guy. And out of his, his mother is um, a Sebring mare, Splendid Eagle, who had had, I think, four to race for four winners. Um, he was the fifth foal, and yeah, related to Queensland Derby winner, Assertive Eagle. So you know, it just, just the boxes were ticked on the page. I mean, the page is just full of black type. Yeah. Um, and looking at him, I just thought. Wow, this is just a stunning, stunning horse. I've got to put my hand up. Mm. Well, he gave you a buzz right from the start by running second on a heavy 10 at Warwick Farm, straight to the paddock after that on the recommendation of trainer John Thompson. First mm-hmm. up at Warwick Farm, November 23rd. In a sense, this was the day you'd been dreaming about, your first winner as a professional syndicator. I'll bet your lone cheer rang out loudly in that empty grandstand. Well, John, it's funny. You can prepare yourself to how you think you're going to act when you get your first winner. And it took two and a half years for us to crack that uh, crack that egg. And mm. I sat there, John, and, and well, I had a couple of owners with me too, um, which, which made it a little bit more special, you know, to, uh, to, to have that to share with. And, I started weeping like a baby. I, <laughs> I think it it was a relief. It was um, a bit of a, a bit of a compliment, I think, to myself, knowing that I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, just backing yourself, and you know, during those two and a half years of trying to get that first win, there'd be plenty of lows where I had questioned um, questioned if I was trying to if I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh gee, John, I just I, I did. I honestly wept, and I went down the stairs, and I saw John, and John said, "Are you all right?" And I said, "Mate, I'm not. That's my first winner." And he put his bloody arms around me, and oh, dear. you know, and it was just one of those. I just wish I had my had my wife with me that day, you know, just to yeah. you have your best mate with you, just to really sort of 
um, reinforce what what's happening. And it wasn't uh, sort of wasn't until I got home. And to be honest, mate, I come home and I gave the kids a hug and I grabbed a beer out of the fridge and gave my wife a hug and I sat down <laughs> yeah. and I watched the replay about twenty five times. Oh, and uh, I still didn't think he was going to get there until the last bound, but he did. Yeah. Well, he ran up to it at Kembla Grange at his following start in a Class 1. Uh, he ran second in that. Then he yep. goes to Gosford in a Class 1, and he wins well with Keegan Latham on board. Yeah, yeah. He, the only issue we had that day was whether, because he, he's such a big scopey boy, whether he could get around Gosford um, all mm. right. But as you know, it's a tight track. But, uh, oh, Keegan just, you know, once again, just... You talk about after the ball, but he just uh, rode him a treat that day. He just kept him a couple of lengths from the winner on, on the on the paint, and um, yeah, yeah, tried to get boxed in, but just you know, come just before the turn, he just pushed pushed the horse out of the way, and uh, or just found the narrow gap and went through it, and the horse just ran through the line like a good horse. He ran. I think he won by about two lengths, or just on two lengths, yeah. going away from them over sixteen hundred. So. Yeah, once again, I had plenty of owners there that day because it was, you know, the Christmas New Year holiday period. So I think there was about fifteen owners there, and oh, what a what a cracking day that was! And then, yeah, I got in the car and headed up to Coffs Harbour for a girl's best friend race the next day. So yeah, it was, it was a busy day, mate, but it was one that I uh, one that I cherish. You got the double. Then came a close second to a pretty handy one in Ripped in a benchmark yeah. 72 at Randwick, and then he went to the paddock, and you've really looked after this horse. Now, we're going to pause briefly, Steve, to clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back with you after this. It took a trip to Gundawindi to remind me of the impact Gunsind had on this little Queensland town. A dinner was held there recently to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Great Horse's final race start in the 1973 Queen Elizabeth Stakes. He was beaten on that occasion by the talented New Zealander Apollo 11, but according to jockey Kevin Langby, he tried just as hard as he ever had. From 54 starts, the gallant grey won 29 races with 15 placings for $280,000, an Australasian record at the time and the equivalent of 16 million today. He won nine races, which in the modern era would be classified as group ones. Everywhere you look in Gundawindi, his name is perpetuated. Hundreds of tourists every year visit his sculpture situated in Apex Park on the banks of the McIntyre River. The Gundawindi Racecourse is known as Gunsin Park, where the champion made a farewell appearance shortly after his retirement. The finest tribute paid to Gunsind at the anniversary dinner came at the close of proceedings when all guests stood as one and sang along with Tex Morton's recording of the Gundawindi Grey. A touching sight to see as the Gundawindi racing fans paid homage to the lovable grey stallion who put their town on the map. Stories of Gunsin's affinity with race crowds haven't been exaggerated. He loved the applause, he loved the attention. Some of his jockeys had no doubt he posed for photos. He won from five furlongs to 2,500 metres. He defied his pedigree when he ran third in a Melbourne Cup. He won four of Australia's elite mile races. He wasn't our greatest ever racehorse, 
but he was the most charismatic. For generations to come, Gunsind will be a household name, especially in Gundawindi. Now, Crafty Eagle will have raced again by the time this podcast is posted. It'll be in a midway at Randwick, and it's fingers crossed. I hope he acquitted himself really well in that midway race. He's a horse of great promise. Steve, let me ask you about some of the young stock you've got in training. Hellbent on You is trained by John Thompson, and after two nice trials... She ran in the Group 3 Magic Knight Stakes, finishing out of a place behind Steel City, only four and a half lengths from the winner. You'd have to be pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, yeah, very, very happy uh, with that effort. John, We uh, it was a bit of a surprise to sort of get her to the track that early. We thought she'd uh, she'd be another prep away or, you know, she might be, you know, maybe not up to that grade first up. Uh, but she was giving us every indication that she's uh, she is at that grade and she's that level and yeah I think this prep coming back for her she uh, she might just show us a, a little bit about what she's got and with these hell bent breedings they just seem to they come good as late two year olds but geez they're running well into their three year olds too so yeah. yeah high hopes for her mate and and John has a, has quite an opinion of her you've got an unraced two year old press statement filly called Media Frenzy who's had a few trials, what's she doing? She's uh, she's back with John now. Um, the, the, unfortunately, she's gone shinsaw in the first two preps that we had after trials. Mm. Uh, but, um, look, on the track, she's showing just as much ability as the filly that you mentioned before, hellbent on you. Uh, very, uh, very impressive with her work. John's very impressed with her with her work and her attitude. And we, uh, we have quite good hopes for her as well. Uh, John, she's a... A lovely, lovely type. A lovely type. With um, but being by press statement, we we kind of think that uh, once she gets into a three-year-old year and and yeah. beyond, that's when we'll see the best of her. You bought a couple of fillies on the Gold Coast this year, a press statement for fifty thousand dollars, and an American Pharaoh for thirty-five thousand. Have they been broken in? They've been broken in. Yes, they've they've uh, been broken in at Hanover Lodge out at Wilberforce and uh, and did terrific terrifically well. They'll both be going to John Thompson. Uh, they're spelling now. They'll be spelling for another week and then they'll be coming back in for a bit of pre-training before uh, heading out to John's and having a look around the stables. But um, yeah, the press statement Philly was just just very very similar to Media Frenzy and that's what grabbed me with yeah. her and that's why I thought, gee, I've got to. Got to try and get her. She just just oozed ooze class by looking at her, but the temperament was once again a, a big thing with her. And well, the American Pharaoh filly uh, out of a you know Montana sunset, uh, more than ready mare. You don't have to be Einstein to work out that that's lovely breeding. Um, and she she's just a stunning stunning type. We uh, we've nicknamed her Cleo as in Cleopatra. She's just beautiful and mm. yeah, lovely chestnut. She's broken in quite well and. Her half sister, a filly called Ify Media, uh, just just ran in a black type down at um, down in South Australia and finished second. And I oh, believe good. she's in a group. I believe she's in a group three this weekend at Morfordville. So, mm. uh, very exciting for the owners to think that uh, the little filly they're bought into is uh, is a half to a stakes placed filly. Wonderful. Yep. You yeah. also got to the English Classic Sale and you bought a brutal filly which will go to Kristen Buchanan. Broken in yet? 
Yep, yep, she's been broken in. She finished about two weeks ago. So she's spelling at Hanover. Uh, and probably towards the end of this month, she'll come back in and start pre-training and, yeah, duck up the highway to Christens. Mm. You also bought a hell-bent filly out of a fox wedge mare and a shalar filly whose grandam is none other than Sacred Choice, winner of two group ones, and they're both going to Brad Widdup at Hawkesbury. Yeah, yeah, they um, look beautiful fillies, and as you can, as you probably tell, we do uh, we do tend to prefer to buy the fillies, but um, that's just how we are, how we operate. But it doesn't mean that's how we do it all the time. Um, beautiful types, hell bent. Uh, anyone that knows me knows that I love them. I've got four in the stable now, mm. and um, and the Shalar filly. Well, we got her from the Premier Sales in Melbourne, and yeah, the 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 page just grabbed me straight away, you know, being a granddaughter of sacred choice and mm. type temperament from uh, from Vinery Stud. I mean, you know, one of the best studs in the in the hunter. Yeah. Once again we put our hand up for her and we got her for fifty thousand and we thought uh, we thought she must have dropped a leg coming into the parade <laughs> ring to get her for that price. But uh, <laughs> she didn't, mate. She's she's upright and she'll be getting broken in next week. Good stuff. Now what about yeah. the hell bent cult called a hell of a show? in the Kristen Buchanan stable. He won a trial at Wyong in pretty impressive fashion. Yeah, he, he's a very, very impressive impressive type, John. He's, uh, he's just built like uh, Iron Mike Tyson. He's just a real sprinter, solid type. And, yeah, he couldn't have been any more impressive in his trial. And, and we got him from the, the, sale, the same sale as Crafty Eagle. However, it was obviously 12 months later, but mm-hmm. from the ready-to-runs and... And gee, he he just could not have been any more impressive, and we're we're hoping he'll uh, he'll develop into something quite handy. Your business partner in Vardy Thoroughbreds is Gavin Clugston, who's of tremendous assistance. You tell me behind the scenes. Yeah, Gavin Gavin's a uh, an accountant by trade, so obviously he loves numbers and and maths and all that sort of stuff, which uh, which I greatly uh, have given him free reign to go and, and operate. <laughs> because not, uh, you don't like him. <laughs> well, it's not that I don't like it. It's just a chore if I have to get involved in it, John. I'd rather yeah. be at the horses and mm. at the farms and the sales and the owners and, and the races, you know, doing all that fun stuff. But, uh, mm. no, Gavin's um, a great asset to the business and he's um, he's really allowed me to sort of have that little bit more free reign and not sort of tied into doing everything in the business as we all know when you work on your own you, you've got to be a jack of all trades and uh whilst whilst i remain a jack of all trades i've just handed over the reins to uh to certain parts of the business to him and and he loves it yeah. he's a he's a very intelligent guy and very smart he's, he's had horses for a long time so he's been on the ownership side of the fence now he's jumped into the other side of the fence and he, he's he's picking the game up extremely quickly and um yeah he's a he's a he's an asset your wife, Louise, is a great supporter who takes a keen interest in every horse you syndicate. Yep. Yeah, she's uh, she certainly is an asset to me, mate. She, um, you know, you've got to have your best mate helping you out with everything and um, she's always been encouraging to, you know, to, to go to the sales and spend time away from home because it's not easy. You know, you might be away up the Gold Coast for a week or down at Melbourne for a week and... You know, she uh, she holds the fort here at home, and it's uh, yeah, tremendous compliment to her. And 
how well my business going is going at the moment is is a great reflection of uh, how, how she helps me out. You and Louise are the proud parents of Grace, who's five, and Lucas, two and a half, who can over-race a bit on occasions. <laughs> Mate, he needs a Norton bit on, John. <laughs> As you'd Grace, expect at two and a half. Oh, Grace, you could lead around with a piece of cotton. This bloke, I tell you, he's, uh, they just call him Karma. <laughs> because they reckon I was the same. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Karma. Love they're, they're, it. Mate, they are just beautiful, beautiful kids. And, um, that you know, every time, how's this? Every time we drive past a pub with a tab sign out in the front, a young bloke yells out, Go crafty! Go crafty! <laughs> <laughs> you Good. can't tell Great me you're not brainwashed. Mm. Um, but, uh, they look, they get a kick out of seeing dad on the TV and seeing dad's colours and dad's horses and, yeah, they're they're just they're just gold. They're, yeah. You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't uh, trade them for all the tea in China. Yeah, the colours, Steve. You've mentioned them. I'll just elaborate uh, quickly. White jacket uh, with a blue horsehead logo. White sleeves with one blue stripe and one pale green stripe, and a pale green cap. They're simple and they're effective. Yes, and uh, we like them to be on uh, good. To- Good conditions when they race because they're a bugger to clean, um, according to the uh, <laughs> according to the trainers and the strappers. But um, yeah, nice simple logo, John. But it's it's fresh. Uh, it sort of resembles our business a bit, where it's nice and fresh and clean and uh, raw, and mm. um, but ready to get down and dirty and get in the trenches if need be. Mm. You have older children from a previous marriage, both of whom are making their way in the world. And I refer to Brooke, who's 26, and Matt, who's yep. 23. They like the horses? They do. They do. They, they certainly like the social side of those things too. And, um, yeah, I, I gave a share to uh, – my daughter was living up in Brisbane at the time with a mum up there, and we ventured into territory with, with Chris Anderson. I bought a hell-bent filly and sent it up to Chris. And so I, I thought, oh, I'll do the right thing and give my daughter a share in that horse, and then – she bloody moved back to Sydney, so um, <laughs> Dad's still paying the way for it. But uh, anyway, that's that's the way it is. But the, you know, once again, you they're beautiful kids, and um, yeah, you do anything for them, and uh, yeah, they're, they're an asset to the business too. You've organised an open day on Sunday, June the fourth, for the owners of five yearlings who were spending time at Hanover Lodge, right on the Putty Road at Wilberforce. Uh, that'll kick off at 10.30 on the Sunday morning and it'll be a lovely couple of hours in the Hawkesbury Valley. Yeah, yeah, we, it's, it's the first time we've done this, done this, John. Um, you know, we've got five yearlings that we've purchased this year and uh, a lovely opportunity for, for current owners and people that might just want to come out and have a look and, and see what, what the business is like and what the what the horses are like and... You know, good as I say, good opportunity for people to come in, say good day. Uh, we're going to have the trainers there, so we're going to have John Thompson and Kristen Buchanan and, and Brad Widdop. They're going to be there, so it gives people a chance to um, to meet who effectively is going to look after their horse, and it also gives them a chance to meet Hennick and and Jade, who own Hanover Lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hennick and Jade can give them an insight as to as to what they do with the horses, how they break them in, and how they pre-train mm-hmm. them, and and things. And you know, we're going to put on tea and coffee and. And, and sandwiches and wraps and things like that. So uh, don't fill up too much on breakfast. You can come out and have a feed on Vardy's and a, and a cuppa. 
and 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 have a look around and 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 see see what we do and how we operate. And you've only recently begun an association in Queensland with Chris Anderson. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, you talk about professionalism. He um, he's just once again like Chris on top of the tree. Uh, and I'm very fortunate with all my trainers. I hold them in that regard. But uh, Chris is just the utter professional. And um, we just, it's always been a bit of a dream to sort of go up into Queensland to, to race. So I thought, well, I'm going to buy a yearling and send it up there, a, a nice yearling. And Chris has just, um, yeah, just done a, a, an amazing job. And his updates and his, his training facility, the facilities and his staff, they're all. They're all first class, so um, it won't be the last one going north of the border, that's for sure. I'd like to mention the fact that you place great emphasis on finding a home for your horses when their racing careers come to an end. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's something that we pride ourselves on, John. Um, fortunately, at this point in time, we haven't had a lot to retire, which is sort of which is a good thing, but the ones that we have had to retire, you know, we've uh, we've found them the forever homes, and uh, whether they be a broodmare or or an, or an older gelding, uh, they've gone to farms and and just you know live, living out the rest of their days as they deserve to, because you know I'm a big big advocate. We only have these beautiful animals for you know anywhere on average between three and seven years, and they they've got the rest of their lives to live, which could be another 20-odd years. So yeah, yeah. it's it's our duty um, to make sure that they find their forever home when, when they're retired. And, yeah, that's something I hold very, very seriously. Yearling prices and escalating costs have made horse ownership a pretty expensive business in recent years. And mm. as a result of that, syndication companies have been popping up like mushrooms all around the nation. You're one of the new players, Steve, and yep. you're doing a thoroughly professional job in a very tough business. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, it is it is tough. I mean, if it was easy, there'd probably be more of us, but um, <laughs> very, very tough. But I think what we try and do, and I, I try and sort of, you know, I'm just looking at King Lear again. You know, I, I got into him for, well, myself and my mates got into him for under $1,500. So, we try and find the best type of horse we can and stick strictly to a budget and a value. And whether that's 10000 or $80,000, and, you know, I think I said to you the other day, we've sort of averaged out with the 16 horses we've bought, we've spent about 40000 on average on each of them. So that's, that's still a hell of a lot of money. But when you're dividing it by 20 to 30 owners, that, that allows everyone to, to get in at entry level and have a bit of fun and then dip their, their toe in the water. And um, if they like it, they keep buying. If they don't like it, well, we can't say we haven't tried to, and not to give them a good experience. So I think it's uh, we've got to really sort of place the emphasis on on value and uh, and looking after potential owners with their with their hard earned cash. It's been lovely to hear your story, Steve Vardy. Thank you very much for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Keep up the good work. A pleasure, John, and, and lovely to meet you too, mate, and let's hope I can shake your hand one day and thank you for the podcast. I'll look forward to it, Steve. Thanks for your time. Good on you, mate. Australian trainers are giving Pride's Racing Cube the thumbs up. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. 
Racing Cube is a set recipe formulation in which the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Mornington trainer Jason Warren introduced his horses to Racing Cube early this year and is delighted with the results. We've had a great deal of success since making that change. So really pleased with Pride's and not only the racing cubes, they've got a number of other feeds that work well for us. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at a very economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed stable. Trainers are giving it the tick of approval all around the nation.